This week's podcast is sponsored by Voodoo Ranger. If you're looking for that perfect companion for a night around the table reminiscing of stories once told, crack open a Voodoo Ranger IPA and roll for sass. Check out the free virtual D&D games brought to you by Voodoo Ranger during all nine days of PAX Online, starting this Saturday and running from September 12th through the 20th. And for beer news and occasional mediocre advice, follow at Voodoo Ranger on Twitter and Instagram. Voodoo Ranger IPA. Drink responsibly, live rangerously. Hello and welcome back to the Dicebreaker Podcast. This is episode 25. We're a quarter of a century old. That oh is, that's 2020 <laughs> for you. 25 years have passed in a mere six months or so. Oh gosh, it feels like it. I am Matt Jarvis, uh, the very tired editor-in-chief of Dicebreaker. I'm joined this week by three of the team. Uh, joined by Alex Lowlies. Welcome back. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm also very tired, so... You know, I'm 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 sitting on the back of the sleep train that I'm assuming you're in charge of. <laughs> I'm a, if that's the case, I'm asleep at the controls. Yeah, that is an in, like an impossibly dangerous thing to do. <laughs> uh, completing our train of people asleep. Completing our set of Alex's, we have of course Alex Meehan also joining us. Uh, if you're at the controls and Lonely's at that back, I'm going around with the little lunch trolley. But I'm eating everything on the trolley. There's just crusts left yeah. over for people to pick out as you go yeah, by. And like wagon wheels, wrappers and stuff. Uh, because no one's awake. They're not buying anything. And that that's how you've solved that problem, is by <laughs> destroying your own stock and inventory. Uh, finally, n- not an Alex, we have Michael Wheels Whelan. Hello, Hello. Wheels, how are you? It is I, the very tired video producer, Michael Whelan. <laughs> I am like sellotape to the roof of the train in the position of the man on the bomb from uh, Dr. Strangelove. <laughs> Just sort of flopping around. <laughs> Gosh, having to duck under tunnels as they come. Well, you'd hope, but I am also asleep, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, you'll be like Wallace from uh, The Wrong Trousers where he's asleep in The Wrong Trousers mm-hmm. and then you've just got to hope that he flops in the right way. Exactly. That doesn't sound right. I can't, anyway. I can't think of a better example. <laughs> Let's move on from that. Uh, we are, of course, here to talk about this week's gamut of board game and RPG news and what we've been playing and answer some of your emails. So let's get into it. Uh, let's kick off with Lolies. What have you been playing this week? Hey, um, I've been playing uh, just all of the Star Wars ever, uh, as per usual. I had a game of Tobago last week because my friend visited, um, which was nice. And uh, I haven't played it yet, but I'm going to play Gloomhaven tonight. Um, not not the the real board game version because we're not there, but the um, the version, the video game version that Wheels and Johnny and I played on uh, oh. as a let's play. Hmm. Yeah. Check you out. Yeah. I was like, I really enjoyed that. So, and obviously, I can't play real Gloomhaven anytime soon. I'm guessing, um, and even even when I do have access to it, I don't own the copy myself, so I always have to wait until the person with the copy is available. So now I can just play it whenever I want. Nice. So, yeah. it, is it still in any access, Gloomhaven on PC? Yeah, I think right. so. Yeah. yeah. I think until, I think it's soon. Mm. That Ascension. it's. Not early access, I don't know. 
it's a uh, it's in a state where they don't have like a unlike the tabletop version they don't have an ongoing campaign it's all just scenarios from what i understand so the early access bit is the fact that they're adding in the the actual campaign mm. Right. And also, you can't play multiplayer at the moment, so you're controlling, like, I don't know, from one... I think you control maybe two or three, like, different characters at the same time, whereas in the real game, obviously, somebody else would control each character, and then you kind of... It is missing that element, because part of it is not knowing what your other players are going to do, but you're also working together. Um, but I think other than that, it's, it's looking pretty good, and mm. I really like it. It definitely seems up there in terms of, like, video video game or like digital adaptations like it, it looks really good i think part of that is probably because gloomhaven was inspired by video games so it it's almost come full circle that they've made a video game of a board game that was inspired by video games yeah mm. everything's mm. eating eating its own tail nowadays yeah yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. And it, it's on our list of the best digital board games. <gasps> oh. oh my god, where can they find that, Alex Meehan? <laughs> oh, on, uh, on dicebreaker.com. Our dear listeners. Mm, yes. Go. Always yeah. be plugging. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Lodis, ABP, by the way, that's, that's what we go by. Speaking of uh, Tobago, have you seen there's a, there's a new expansion coming for it, I think? No. I believe I there's know. a new expansion on the way, uh, which I don't have the details for right now, uh, but I figured I should I should throw that your way as our lead Tobago correspondent. <laughs> I'm Googling it as we speak. Oh, oh. I mean, this is, you guys talk amongst yourselves. This is oh, oh, wow. So. Yeah, no. While you're looking yeah, sure. up. Oh, it's giving me, it's telling me, I looked at Tobago expansion and it's like, $1.2 billion for Tobago airport expansion. I think that's something else. <laughs> Uh, while you're looking up that, uh, Alex Meehan, let's move on to you. What have you been playing this week? Oh my goodness, Matt Jarvis. Uh, I have been playing... Um, I played some Clank last week uh, with my new physical copy. Uh, it's very nice. It has a felt bag that I like to stroke. <laughs> I hate felt with a passion. It makes my fingers like recoil. Oh wait, no, no. <laughs> It's a velvet bag. Also velvet. <laughs> <laughs> and coins. <laughs> and coins. I'm very sensitive to touch. I'm a very kinetic man. <laughs> you just don't know quality when you when you see it. it is it only Nothing screams quality like velvet. Or is it metal things? It no metal things. Are fine. I think the thing with coins is that I associate with them with real money, and real coins are really horrible and dirty. Yeah, right. po- coin scum. Is yeah. a thing. Mm. Yeah, it's it's like the scum you get on cards. Like when I used to work in a board game cafe, after a while, like cards mm. would start having like this this black horrible layer. We would sometimes spend some time like scraping the black. Oh, on the that cards. is so good. Really <laughs> oh that's horrible. <laughs> See now, like imagine imagine you in that moment. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. how I feel every time I pick coins up. Like I can't get my brain away from that feeling. <laughs> fair. That's fair. I get that. Did you not? sleeve them if you were in a like somewhere where they were going to get a lot of traffic finger traffic i think finger they traffic. were in the they were in the process of sleeving them but they'd already had them for like a year and a half or something uh, at the time they decided to do that and also it was just like this one guy he was on this mission to sleeve them and then also the other thing was that when you sleeve them well we didn't i think he was like laminating them and then obviously when you laminate them it like peels after a while mm. and then like sleeves is expensive and when you have 700 games that's a lot of sleeves and also, yeah, I don't think they really probably thought about that at the beginning. That's fair. Mm. 
I imagine if they start peeling, the scum situation might get worse. <laughs> because then you've got the stickiness in the situation. And from what I know, when something sticky gets in contact with scum, it becomes even worse. If we could just move on, <laughs> that would be it's like It's like those little men you put on the radiator and they, like, fall down. Oh, yeah, they absolutely yeah, collect. Yeah, you lob them at windows scum. and they'll, they'll kind of roll down. But oh, a couple of times around, they are just, like, fluff, fluff people. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're horrible. Yeah. Like yeah. A anyway. Roll. A household full of cats, they're a really bad mm. idea. Because as soon as they hit that carpet, there's no rescuing them. Mm. Well, that's disgusting. Uh, <laughs> What's not disgusting is my copy of Clank. Uh, <laughs> bringing it back around. this one back in. <laughs> um, no, uh, my flatmate and I played. And you know what? I've not played it two-player before, and it works perfectly fine. Um, I love Clank. It's a great game. Like, I know it's one that is quite popular, so most people would have heard it of it uh, so it's not like this is a revelation but uh, I just think it works really well and um, it's very satisfying putting those cubes in the bag and then giving it a shake and then drawing the cubes out uh, of the clank bag uh, it's it's that touch that you don't get with the TTS version and I think mm. it elevates the experience uh, and the quality of the components is really impressive. So um, we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, and then I also played a few games of Point Salad last night on TTS, nice. a classic. Mm. Uh, it's a game that I like to bring out when people are like, oh, I'm not sure what to play. Something fairly easygoing. Bit of Point Salad. And then you can start making jokes about being like a fruit or and or veg vendor at a local farmer's market stall. Which is my favourite genre of joke, really. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I would say like point salad's become one of those games that I now use as kind of in the same vein as Sushi Go or something like that, where it's like, this mm. is quick enough, it's simple enough. Like, I can teach it to my family. They understand what vegetables are. Um, whereas <laughs> yes. like whereas trying like to get a... them to play anything else where it's like okay you're a trader in the 17th century you have these spice cubes they're like Ugh. but if you go it's a carrot they're like oh yeah good I, I know what a carrot is oh that's a that's a cabbage oh yeah good I like that one mm, wow. yeah the, wow. the, the joy of vegetables you know uh, there's nothing quite like it um, and then I've also been playing a very special game, Mr. Jarvis. Oh, yeah. This will be another one of those. Wait, was this the same last week when you couldn't say anything about it? No, this is uh, the other one that I can talk about. I yeah, think it's out now, right? Oh, sure. It's all good. Yeah, uh, it's called Escape the Dark Sector. Uh, and it's a sequel to Escape the Dark Castle, which I own and I rather enjoy. Uh, and it's a kind of choose your own adventure game Style. but not <laughs> not yeah not in this series it's it's a style of that yeah for um, context the the people who make choose your own adventure the series of books are very protective of uh, that particular trademark 
um, mm. which obviously has be- kind of become a generic term for choose your own adventure books of any mm. kind. Um, but mm. they they pursue the words choose your own adventure very diligently. <laughs> Why don't it's we a, call it's it a Hoover situation? Why don't they call it something else? We will call it take the path you want to take and see where it brings you. What does that bring rolls off the tongue? I think there is a choose your own path. (laughs) Choose your own path, I think, is what the seventh continent people call theirs. There's also choose your destiny as the Star Wars one. Choose your destiny. (laughs) I don't know. Path path (laughs) is like, what if I'm walking in a meadow? Like, you know, it doesn't really work. Yeah. Choose choose Um, what to do. Because you well, were destined you to walk in that meadow. Do right? what you want to do and see what happens. Yeah. That's my, that's my uh, you, you won't be walking through a meadow in Escape the Dark Sector. <laughs> it's come to this. It's come to the point where Alex Meehan is the one steering the podcast back I'm on course. I'm now She's at doing the a train. She's I'm now at the train controls uh, over Matt Jarvis' terrifying slump, <laughs> snoring body. Uh, I'm desperately trying to get it back on the track uh, hey. <laughs> hey um yeah it's like a at its core it's the same sort of game you go through a deck of cards and they're like encounters and various things spooky things can happen uh and you as a team cooperatively have to try and make it through to the end where there's a boss you have to fight and if you defeat them, you can escape. But uh, from the dark sector. Yeah. Um, no way. <laughs> I was about to say it, and I was like, "Wait, no, this is more coming." There, there's a, there's a point for you, Master Whelan. There you go. You can have a gold star for that. I'll put it in my salad. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Um, but the game is actually quite a bit different from the original. They've expanded the concept a lot more, and kind of feels more like a a game not that the previous one wasn't a game a lot of it was just relying on the kind of immersive aspect of it and the kind of the hokey spookiness that i really like uh as a fan of games like betrayal at house on the hill i kind of like that feeling of like corny spookiness but this has a lot more mechanics that you can kind of interact with and it feels a lot harder than the previous game, which was kind of difficult as it was. I mean, the problem is we are only playing with two players, which means that the game might not be balanced too well. But I'm hoping to um, recruit some, uh, uh, maybe one other person <laughs> to try and play with me. So, uh, uh, yes, there will be probably be more updates. Cool. Speaking I, of explosive sequels, I <gasps> found the expansion for Tobago. It's coming this is out not this a year. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, I know, but you know, segues and all that. Um, it's just called Tobago Volcano, and it's just adding a volcano to the game. Tobago Volcano. Volcano. Da 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 da. Anyway, that's all I know. Um. It says 2020. There's literally no information about it whatsoever. Yeah. The volcano. I feel there's a number of board game expansions that are like kind of hilariously on the nose. Where it's like name of game colon thing, 
So it's like volcano or sheep. Yeah, that kind of. <laughs> I think some of them are literally called like two player expansion, or mm-hmm. I think some of them are just called name of game expansion, and that's what's printed on the box. And it's just like, oh, okay, if that's what you're going for, I guess. Listen, yeah. there's one thing that board game publishers are great at marketing. Okay, They're, that is yeah. very true. Yes. To just... be fair, though, if I was in a shop and I didn't know about original Tobago and I saw Tobago Volcano, I would just assume that was the name of the game. I might just buy that, not realizing. Whereas if it said Tobago Volcano Expansion or something, then I'd be usually like, they oh. they have like a sort of you need the base game kind of warning, don't they? Yeah. Depends where they decide to put that. Yeah. Here's, you know. here's a top tip from the Dicebreaker podcast. Read the box before purchasing. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All right. Me and is that everything you've been playing? Yeah. Uh, Will, shall I go next? Because I can see in this document for the podcast, you've just copied and pasted <laughs> what I've written and attributed and it to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I've, I've just written ha 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 and then in brackets, Machi Koro, because... Honestly, I've had no time to play anything this week, but I did play Magic Coro last week with you two. We yeah, and I've, and I've written we did. open quote marks, ha 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 ha, brackets Magic Coro, close quote marks, Matt circa 2020. <laughs> That's so true. I played that as well, and I had a good time. Yeah, it's been a while since I've played it. Play. It's really good. It's like, I think people really um, overlook it because it's so simple and just like, I don't think it's meant to be the deepest game on earth, you know? It's like. It's like Carcassonne. You just sort of like you sit down, you have a nice chill time. It's good. And everyone yeah. goes, hey, we. <laughs> it's, it's one of those games where, so for people don't imagine. You've ima- just mixed so many different games together. <laughs> oh, wait, no, you haven't. Go on. Yeah, no, uh, they go, way we, because everyone gets money. Mm-hmm. What is going on? We're talking about Magikara. Yeah, which we played last week on the stream. Uh, for those who missed it, it was kind of just a chill pre PAX Online EGX uh, stream, uh, which is what's happening this week. Um, and yeah, it'd been a while since I played, and I f- remember that the thing with Magic Core is like it kind of, it kind of just going and going. You roll the you roll the dice, you get your stuff, you buy a card, you do that, you do that, you do that, and then suddenly, because you're Six churning bucks. so much money every yeah. turn or on other people's turns, depending on your buildings, it's like, oh right, I've I, I've won, or you know, I'm, I've managed to knock out three of these buildings you need to win in the space of like three turns. Mm. So it's like our being the one percent simulator. You just sit there and suddenly all that money, money just comes, comes in. in. Yeah. You're like, oh, I have Although, all this money now. To be fair, me and we did actually start with very little, whereas oh, <laughs> they, would, they would have, you know, a small loan of a million dollars to kick things off. So. We started yeah. with, like, a weed field and something else. Yeah, to be yeah. fair, we're inherited re- land. We're a yeah. small business owner. <laughs> yeah. what, is your business just having a wheat field? Wheat. Well, yeah, I had a furniture a factory. <laughs> and a cheese factory, which is very productive. Uh, the furniture mm. factory, less so, because I forgot that I didn't have any wood or uh, stone, uh, which are the two things you need for a furniture factory. So make I invested in this factory only to not be able to make any furniture. You can't make wheat furniture. Anyway. We like and just wheat. like a chain of convenience stores <laughs> or something, don't you? Mm. Yeah. Can you imagine sitting on a sofa made of wheat? That would be so uncomfortable. I mean, isn't that just kind of... Wick- Thatch. It's not quite yeah. what well, Do you know what's yeah. so funny? I never told you this, Wheels, but I had, you were in my dream last night and you had a, oh, no. you had, a, <laughs> you had bought a boat uh, to live on and it was... Uh, you called it a Viking boat, but it was just a boat which, with a thatched roof. <laughs> Um, it was. There was a lot. A, Viki- a Viking houseboat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. And I, I googled it this morning because I was like, is this actually a thing? It's not really... There's some pictures, but it doesn't seem to really be a thing. 
I just want to make a small announcement, by the way. Uh, I bought a houseboat. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be living on the river from now on, uh, playing only Summoner Wars. So if you need mm. me. I'm imagining you sailing down the river in your houseboat with one of those hats on with the horns on them and sort of like gesturing at people and threatening See, them. I, th- I think you mean helmet with the horns on because yeah. if you say hat with the horns on it just sounds like the classic uh, Animal Crossing villager. <laughs> I mean uh, it's made out of you know polystyrene. Okay. Yeah, because you can't afford like a real hat like that. Wow, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I Not suppose I did just buy a time. houseboat. So, well, I'm glad we managed to fill the last five minutes with that because that that was about all the discussion I had for what, what I've been playing. Yeah, Magic Card is real good. It. I like we, it. It's pretty. We forgot. We I've played. Heard? We played Hughes and Cues. We did. Oh, we, we did play Hughes and Cues. Oh, it's really good. good. It's we been one of those really weeks. Like Yes. Houston Cues is really fun. I've literally just uploaded the Let's Play as well. Yes. I'm going to have to post it after we finish this podcast because I don't have a shower right now, so I've had to borrow somebody else's shower. So it's been a busy morning. But That's what you get for living on a houseboat. Yeah, well. <laughs> I tried You're just swimming in the river, the but apparently, apparently pond scum is not very good for your hair. So, mm. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I uh, I really liked Houston Cues. I think it's. You, you spoke about Machikaru, Matt, so I'll take Houston Cues. Houston Cues is. Um, essentially like a, a board which is just covered in a big gradient and it's given like a sort of um uh coordinate style graph over the top so you've got like letters down the side and numbers along the along the top and then you get given a card with four different coordinates on the board which will have a color assigned to them so you might have like a deep purple over here or like a, a bright pink over there or like a, a seafoam <laughs> green over here and then you have to think of a one word clue and then a two word clue which will lead people to that thing um we had a very good time or i I say we me and johnny had a very good time when i when i used uh citadel paint shades (laughs) to to help them get have a good time with that yeah unfortunately lolis had the unfortunate um job of going first without knowing what the reference was which meant that you didn't have a whole lot to go on did you (laughs) I did that. It was really I was fun. winning I really like as it. well, and then you, you messed me up. And then I won, so I don't feel I don't feel bad at all. It was you no, know, it was really good though. It was um, it it does strike me as one of those classic like, uh, almost like code name style games that I think a lot of people will like. Um, it's a bit pricey. I think it was like forty quid, right? Which mm. is pretty pretty spenny. Um, forty dollars, I think. Yeah. Oh, forty dollars. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think thirty quid would be fine. Mm. That'd probably be all right, considering it's a more mainstream thing. It's the kind of thing I'd expect to see in, like, you know, Waterstones. If that, nobody outside of the UK is going to understand what that means. But, Arts, but like, art shops, I would but it's Barnes, yeah, like Waterstones is Barnes & Noble, right? So Barnes & Noble, that's the one. Yeah, there we go. Mm. I will say I very much appreciate earlier that me and Matt Jarvis were both chuckling to ourselves when you said Deep Purple. Yeah. <laughs> and I know exactly why. <laughs> <what laughs> <laughs> damn, damn, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's and Keys, it was... Because so we were for context, it was uh, we were recording a sponsored video with Ross from the Op, uh, which is the mm-hmm. publisher of it, and we were playing over the internet for obvious reasons, um, which was it was pretty easy to do that. And from yeah. what I understand, the actual box it doesn't it just contains cards that have like you say those coordinates on. So it is one of those things where it's pretty easy to kind of play, but also. There doesn't seem to be loads to it, as in like that you, no. it, you. It depends on you for the clues, because it's like here is a particular shade of green. Describe it. 
So it would be interesting yeah, I mean, to know if over like multiple playthroughs with the same group, whether you almost fall into the same kind of clues again and again. For yeah, I, I guess I guess the like the downside is that with code names the board is ever changing, right? So mm. it's always a, a new layout with different words and whatever. Whereas like you don't change the color gradient map, like that's always what it looks like, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. you can probably just fall on certain things. But I th- the nuance in it was the fact that yeah, you know how to describe purple. But do you know how to describe like this shade of very like lilac-y pastel, with, like in one? There's so many you know? colors. When I was staring at it, I was like, all the colors around it look the same, and I know they're not, but they mm. all look because they're all just slightly different depending yeah. on which direction they're going mm. in. And the more you look at it as well, like they all sort of blend and like. Yeah. I, I, I think I think like there was one term where I just said turquoise. I was like, mm. oh well, I mean, I don't really have a word for this, but that will get them around the right area. And then you guys were like, okay, cool, that's like 50 squares wheels. <laughs> so yeah, it was a bit difficult. But I, I think, yeah, I think it's got like a lot of mainstream appeal, which I think will be good for it. Um, and I'd be, I'd be happy to play it again. To yeah, I think that was the, the thing. I went in kind of thinking like, oh, okay, I kind of, I kind of get it. And actually mm. came out going like, oh, you know what? That is something yeah. I could see myself yeah. playing with my family. Like not every yeah. night, but every couple of months or kind of mm. occasions where we're together and i think that's probably what it's going for yeah i definitely feel like i i underestimated it when i mm. went in and, and was presently surprised when we came out yeah it's cool i was always excited so when are you not really this is true alex color chart me and over here <laughs> i i i'm rarely on the tire train like if i am there you know something's up if you're anywhere, somewhere something's up, man. <laughs> you're right. always up to something. If that's what we've been playing for this week, shall we move on to news? Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, it's a rhetorical <laughs> question, but I appreciate the answer. Uh, let's kick off this week. Alex, Mean, what's going on with Hero Quest? I mean, Matt Jarvis, what is going on with Hero Quest? I just you know, asked you for I know. that reason. <laughs> I yeah, but Matthew trying... Jarvis, what is going on with Hero Quest? <laughs> I was trying to to phrase it in a kind of talk show way, um, <laughs> but obviously it didn't work on you. So I'll just go ahead and do the straight faced thing. We've got to introduce Matt, we every to section. You like a big, we need to get you a big desk with a fake mic to sit behind. I, I was going to say I'll be against a brick wall with a spotlight, and every yeah. topic will be what's the deal with Hero what's Quest. <laughs> Well, Matt Jarvis, the deal with Hero Quest is that, well, something's going on with it. Um, it, it for those who may not know, it, wow, <laughs> that's the news you come to Dice Breaker for. Something's going on. Um, for those who may not know, it, it it's a dungeon crawling game that was released back in ye olde 1999. What? Um, yeah, uh, that was a kind of collaboration between um, Games Workshop, uh, the company behind Warhammer. Uh, yeah, and um, I love how you delivered that. <laughs> Warhammer. <laughs> you gotta say it with, you know, some... bombast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is Warhammer we're talking about. Um, and Milton Bradley, which is not really a company that exists anymore. Um, no, I think it got absorbed into the, yeah. the growing Hasbro com- yes. conglomerate. Yeah, the Milton homunculus. Bradley is an RPG character. 
It's one of Johnny's NPCs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely works in an office. Um, <laughs> Apologies uh, it... to any Miltons out there. <laughs> Apologies that your name is Milton. Sorry, carry on. Uh, um, <laughs> it, it was quite well received uh, and pretty influential for the time and then it received a, a sequel called Advanced Hero Quest very creative name um, <laughs> which actually set the game in the Warhammer universe and it had Skaven in it <gasps> what? Yeah. Uh, but then it kind of went into obscurity well uh, apart from its diehard fans uh, and it's not had a game released since until now, maybe. Uh, so, early this week, a mysterious website popped up mm. with a countdown oh my um, to the 22nd of September, uh, which is next week, um, uh, uh, connected to Avalon Hill, who are the publishers behind the Betrayal, the Betrayal at House in the Hill series. Um... What it is, we don't know. But uh, Restoration Games, the publisher behind the Return to Dark Tower game that's going to come out soon, uh, despite uh, filing a trademark early this year for Hero Quest, have confirmed that they've got nothing to do with it. <laughs> so the drama continues. Uh, you know? Yeah. What's going on? So the restoration trademark, I think it was specifically HeroQuest Legacies, right? But it involved the HeroQuest name. Mm. So it was kind of like, oh, are they doing something? And now this popped up. It was like, oh, are they doing something? Like, who, who, someone's doing something with it. But nobody, mm. nobody has told us anything more than that yet. No. Uh, we, we have asked Avalon Hill, but they haven't told us just yet. Deadly squat. Yeah. yeah. We reached out to Avalon Hill for a statement. We and did, they said Nothing. <laughs> Their Please. silence speaks volumes. <laughs> <laughs> there's um, there's like a witch king uh, image on the countdown. So uh, I like that. I guess <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to have a comment on it. We, we've got like we've got like eight stories to read through. <laughs> yeah. well, I, that, I mean, there you go. I'm giving you the rundown. What, there what it do is. You want, There's girls? the rundown. Uh, Alex, me, and you've also done this next one. Uh, tell us about the. Oh, I can't pronounce it. I'm going to leave it to you. Oh no! Like, oh, you absolute fiend! How dare you? Uh, Lolis. Yeah, Deutsche Spieler Thank you. Oh, um, Deutsche that's the one. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Uh, I'll <laughs> tag you in. Uh, Lonely's, I'll tag you in whenever. Uh, okay, <laughs> just wink and I'll say it. Uh, okay, okay. Um, so the the crew, a game we all like, uh, which is a co-op trick-taking game when you're in space and stuff, um, has won the Deutsche Spielerpreis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for 2020, um, which is essentially a uh, one of the big board game awards um, from Germany, if that wasn't obvious. Um, yeah, it's the German Games Prize. <laughs> yeah, the other one, not the not the spiel, the the RS, the other one. Yeah, no, I mean that's literally how it translates. It's the yeah. German 
game prize. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought I thought you meant it literally translate to the other game award. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might as well, but um. Oh, wow. shame! I mean, considering the this year's choice for the Spieldiaras, I'm I can't really throw shade at the. Um, Sorry, I was just thinking about how um, nobody ever pronounces the S in uh, Spiel des Jahres. (laughs) You caught me unawares. That's fine. Uh, (laughs) No one's going to come after me for that. Um, Yeah, it's it's, it's an award that is voted on by the public. Uh, So they say, oh, these are my top five board games of this year. And then they sort of count all the, the points. Uh, the votes, and they've given it to the crew. There's number one. Um, it beat out other games, such as the Roll and Write game Cartographers. Which I like I believe, very much. Yeah, Mr. Matt Jarvis is a fan of. Maracaibo? Oh, I've heard really good things about Maracaibo. Mm, uh, by the creator of Great Western Trail. Mm-hmm. Also heard good things about that one. Haven't played either of them, though. Mm. Great Western uh, Trail has very, very funny cover art. It's really bad. It oh, looks yeah. like the yeah. cover art is really awkward. Sierra game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The game is great, but the cover art is probably among the. the I'm not going to say the worst. The worst is very maybe harsh, but I see it pop up on those kind of lists that people do of like, lol, these box arts are really uh, yeah. bad it's alongside. Like, it's because it's not. It's not like it's been drawn by a child like some of the ones I've seen, <laughs> but it has like. It's it's so close to being normal box art, but it's just that uncanny valley of like, yeah. who rendered these faces? Yeah. yeah. Also, their expressions are so just mute. I'm just of... looking at it now. It's so yeah. Mm. They're they're not that excited about this. I mean, this it's trail. their day their day to day life is transporting cows. It's it's old it's, news to them. They're not excited. The guy in the middle looks like his lips have been blue tacked on. <laughs> <laughs> it does actually. <laughs> It really does. Uh, Anyway, enough enough, uh, throwing shade on Great Western Trails art. Um, (laughs) It also beat the game Parks, which we're fans of. uh, And Paladins of the West Kingdom, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the second game in the West Kingdom trilogy. Um, But I'm quite happy with with that choice. Um, I really like that game. The Crew. Uh, and it's good to know that a lot of other people did, and um, yeah, yeah. I think we said when the Spudi Yaris was um, announced that the crew, the crew won the Kenish Spudi Yaris, mm. but we kind of said it's it's almost in the right territory for Spudi Yaris, kind of, which is much more family friendly. Um, and from yes. what I know of the Deutsche Spielerpreise, um, I I can see Lowly's <laughs> Just disapproving. I'm sorry. I tried. Should have winked. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a prize that's much more kind of it leans more towards the Kennespiel uh, yeah. in terms of being that little bit yeah. more complex. Hobbyist. Yeah. Mm. So um, this makes sense. It is. I think. It is sitting in this like the the games that you named there. I haven't played any of them, but I know that a few of them tend to be like heavier games. So it does seem like the lightest one out of the the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, the 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 um wing. Okay. Oh, <laughs> 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 the 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 the
um, does tend to lean more into hobbyist games. Um, so it is, I guess, the crew is more on the sort of casual side. But um, the only two games that have won both the Spiel de Yaris and the Deutsche Spiel Preis uh, are Azul and Catan. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I like all of those games. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's, that so, must have uh, been about a twenty odd year gap, which seems wild in some ways that it was so that they could didn't line Catan up between those two. But yeah, yeah. Like I was uh, uh, out of interest. I was kind of looking through some of the previous winners because the winners displayed in terms of technically it's like one to ten, so they just tally all the votes and then the winner is just whatever number one is, and. Uh, one year, like, Cosmic Encounter was on there, but it was only on, like, number four or something, and the games above it, I didn't know any of them. And I was like... That must have been retroactively, because I think the Deutsche Spieler Prize um, was only launched in, like, the... Thank you. Uh, in the 90s? It's not been around... 1990. Yeah, because Cosmic Encounter's a 70s, 77, yeah, I think. Yeah. It got redone, though, right? So maybe yeah. Was, yeah. Maybe it's just... It must be, like, a new edition. I mean, but, um... board game prizes, very inconsistent anyway. There are so many where yeah. it's like, this game came out two years ago, but we're giving it an award now, because, oh, it's good, isn't it? It's like, yes, it's yeah. good. But it's, Cause, it didn't cause come we, out this year. We did a boo-boo, and now, sorry, here you go. I think sometimes it's dependent on if it came out in a certain country. Like yeah. What yeah. So, like, the, the Spiel des Jahres, I think, is, like, dependent on when it was pu- pub- uh, pu- published. I was, like, publicized, no. Published in Germany, specifically, I think. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, that's the, that's the whole deal, everyone. That's the deal. Uh, from Alex Meehan but Alex Meehan this next story is also yours you're just on a roll with these uh, are you going to say that for every single one Matt? Uh, no after oh, this oh this one's Meehan oh this one's Meehan uh, actually the one after this is also Meehan uh, it's been a busy week <laughs> Meehan's been writing a lot of news um, yeah. tell us about Into the Motherlands this new role playing yeah. game coming up this week on That's the Deal with Meehan um, uh, yeah um into the Motherlands is a very interesting looking RPG uh, that's been funded by Twitch um, uh, and is being launched as an actual play first um, before the actual RPG comes out uh, and it was uh, designed by an entire creative team uh, who are all people of colour so it, the creative director behind it is um, Tanya Depass. Uh, who works um, basically founded the um, uh, I Need Diverse Games mm-hmm. Diverse Diverse <laughs> Games uh, which is a non-for-profit organisation that's basically de- uh, designed to get uh, more diverse people into the industry uh, of games in general so video games and tabletop games etc uh, and yeah, it's a sci-fi RPG where people sort of venture to new planets to discover uh, new cultures and to um, sort of visit their the planets that they kind of originated from uh, and to kind of uh, protect their their kind of society and way of life. Uh, and yeah, essentially the creative team is the word like a, a a a group of people who've done really awesome stuff a who's who 
<laughs> a who's who, yeah. Um, yeah, um, Dave Walters, um, who who's done some amazing comic work, um, and also stars in a actual play I really like, which is a Vampire the Masquerade. Um, uh, L.A. by Night mm. is involved. Um, same with. Oh no, I'm gonna ruin this name. Um, Sharang Biswas? Ugh, apologies if that's wrong. Um, who's written for Zhongxi? Yeah, Sharang uh, oh. also, I think, co edited the anthology I mentioned a few weeks back, uh, Honey and Hot Wax. Yes! I believe. So, yeah. Yes, they like did. You say, it's um, a real who's who. It's really, yeah, it's mm. a really strong lineup. And this kind of came out of nowhere. Like, mm. as far as I know, it's yeah. the first tabletop RPG Twitch has funded. And yeah. the fact it's kind yeah. of tied into an actual play series as well is really, like, it's, I think yeah. I think it's probably the first time I've ever seen that they've done a, a show and then the book is released kind of thing. As yeah, well. yeah. Usually, usually they'll do a show based on a book rather than the other way around. Mm. I think they're hyping up. I think it's a good way of hyping up the RPG beforehand and kind of seeing what it's like. Yeah, I think it's a really clever way of seeing. Oh, like obviously the people doing these let's plays are professionals, who who have done you know, acting or similar things in the past. So there's always that element of your role, you know, your playthrough might not be this good, but it's still a kind of look into what it could be like. There you go. Um, The actual play begins on October the 4th uh, and will be airing at 12am our time. (laughs) Yay! Get some bevies in. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to stay awake to watch that, um, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, so there you go. Cool. All right, this one's me. I'm just kidding. It's Alex Meehan again. Hey, <laughs> a, you rascal. It's a quick one. What's happening it's with Root Digital? What's one. the deal with Root Digital? Oh, wow. Goodness me. Me, uh, Root Digital and I have gone through a lot in the past year. Um... I feel very close to it, even though I've not actually played it. <laughs> uh, I've I've written about it so much, I might as well have. Um, yeah, so Root Digital uh, was released on PC uh, early this month, I believe, or uh, uh, yeah. or in August. It's it's recent, um, and it's been pretty well received. You like it, Matt Jarvis? I I do. <laughs> to, to that. Yeah, I think actually it was. Like re- it do. I believe it was released on my birthday or the day before, because when I was off my birthday, I downloaded it and then played it then. Uh, so I think, think it's been out about a month now. It's it's a really good version of Root. It looks. Don't you mean around our birthday? Our birthdays, uh. sorry. <laughs> and Dicebreaker's birthday ish. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's finally coming to mobile. So. Um, it will be coming to Android and iOS on September the 24th. September the 24th. Um, September the 24th. <laughs> which is, weirdly, that's very close to my wife's birthday. So maybe my wife and I are just intertwined with Root now with Root. forever. Yeah. Um, you are destined. Yes. With, with Root. Me and digital. Root. We have a destiny together. Mm. And my wife's uh, birthday also is happens. Your, is your child, Matt? Sorry? Maybe Root Digital is your child. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, what a twist anyway, that would be. I think 
to move away from discussion of my parentage of Root, uh, <laughs> I think I'll probably end up getting it again uh, on iOS because I really like it. I love Root. Uh, and it, yeah. It's a good version of that game and I would like to play it on the go. Yes. I mean, it's going to be cross-platform. So if you have it on mobile, I you'll be play able to play myself. it on... Yeah. <laughs> you'll be able to play yourself on PC. Yeah. Um, if you wish. Uh, yeah. Um, that's what's going on with Root Digital on mobile. Cool. Right. It's a little... Uh, another quick one from me this time. <gasps> Mia has done you her done her time in the news mines. Yep. I've done my time. I can get out now. Uh, I can escape. <laughs> uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 0, uh, which you may remember we have a review of on the website from a while back. Because they By sent you, out copies right? very and, far ahead. By me. And on the YouTube channel. And on the YouTube channel, <laughs> indeed. The <laughs> YouTube. Uh, it's got a release date. Uh, so yeah, it's... I saw that. Do you know where I saw that on dicebreaker.com? <gasps> what a website! What a website! Mm. Uh, yes, it's arriving on October the twenty-third. Uh, so just over a month from now, a month and a week roughly, uh, by the time Ooh. you hear this. Spooks time! And it's also got a price, uh, which is eighty dollars, uh, which is exactly the same as the previous Pandemic Legacies. <whistles> yeah. Houses. I mean, I mean, it's good, right? Because it lasts you for a while, and you get to destroy the game. So you're paying eighty pounds, so you can like for the satisfaction. And yeah. but you can destroy any game, Lolis. <laughs> they so, can't stop you. I... Yeah, but yeah, you have to. Lolis, you can literally like stamp on a copy of like. <laughs> yeah, but I don't have to. I have to do it with this. Lolis, you could destroy Vast, the mysterious man. <laughs> oh, I would yeah. love two wheels. I would pay eighty dollars to do that. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. Come anyway. on now, enough of that. Well, for some for some context of pandemic, um, because I reviewed it, so I've played it all the way through. Uh, from what I remember of playing season one and season two, um, I played season zero. I think fewer times. So it's similar in that there are there are twelve months. If you win and you proceed to the next month, uh, if you lose the first game, you then repeat the month and then get a second chance. But if you fail that, you then move on regardless. So with season zero, I think we played fourteen games. It was only two months we had to repeat, um, and that's like I said, I've played a lot of pandemic. Um, I don't know if I'm a good pandemic player, but that's kind of that was just the experience I had. So it may be that if you are looking to buy this, it will get you around 14 games. It will get you at least 12, um, but it may potentially get you 24 if you fail every month. With Jack Bauer? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, not again. We're still waiting on Kiefer. Um, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't arrived. So that's uh, so. what's that? It's about $8 roughly, just under $8 a playthrough, which mm. split that between a group of you... I mean, it really comes down to your, you know, how you feel about investing in a game that you can only play through once. Uh, but mm. I really enjoyed my time with Season Zero. I think it's probably the most consistent of that series. It's probably not my personal favourite, which I think is two, but I know that two is a lot of people's non-favourite. They don't like it as much. But I think Season Zero, wherever you fall on them, you'll probably find to be the most kind of... I think it's got the best story of the bunch. It's got the most consistent gameplay. It's not as wildly out there as 2, which I think is where people started to lose a little patience with it because it was a bit more swingy and difficult. Mm. Uh, so I think, you know, it's a great game if you feel that 
it's worth eighty dollars to you, I think you won't be disappointed, or you can wait a bit and it'll probably come down in price. But well, Matt, there we go. I think as, as long as two isn't your favourite of the Indiana Jones trilogy, or of the Star Wars prequel, then we're fine. The prequels? No. I, I don't. What's the second Indiana Jones? Is it Temple Clone of Doom? Wars? Yeah. Is that number two? That's yeah. yeah that's Star Wars. Temple Isn't... of Doom is the second one. Oh, is, it is. Oh, of course, Last Crusades. Yeah. Isn't Clone Wars the one where he says hello there? <laughs> Which instantly Maybe. makes it the best prequel. Yeah. I mean, the prequels are only there for their meme quality, so I'm pretty sure two is actually the best one. Oh, but anyway, wait. let's not get into it's it. It's very boring. Uh, let's move on to this story about Pathfinder. Um, and it's the announcement of the first Mwangi Expanse Lost Omen sourcebook and the next adventure path for Pathfinder, uh, which is also set in the Mwangi Expanse. Uh, so these were announced at PAX Online across EGX Digital, which is the event Ooh. for full disclaimer uh, that the oh. owner of Dicebreaker Read Pop runs. Uh, but these were announced during a panel uh, by some of the folks over at Paizo. Uh, on Pathfinder. The art is chef's kiss, by the way. Yeah, the art's really good. Um, so, Mwangi Expanse um, is kind of described as being influenced and inspired by African oh, wow. folklore. Uh, it's appeared in the RPG before, but it's never had a dedicated source book in this way. Um, so, this upcoming book will be the first time that it's really kind of delved into. Um, and it's over 300 pages, so they're really kind of they're going in deep uh, with some of the detail, mm. uh, looking at some of the history of magic in the region. Um, I think it introduces rules for kind of six new ancestries, um, which are Pathfinder second editions equivalent of like races. Essentially, it's what they've replaced mm. races with, um, but it's more that they are treated like your origins. Um, mm. So yeah, that will be out next June. So that's June 2021, and then in July 2021, uh, the adventure path set in the Mwangi Expanse, which is called the Strength of Thousands will run until December. So it's six parts, they're monthly, uh, as with a lot of the adventure paths for Pathfinder, uh, which if you're not familiar, are kind of like pre-made campaigns. Um, so you get a scenario each month and they kind of span a complete arc uh, from start to finish. Uh, this one will take you from first level to level 20 in those six sessions. Uh, so there you go. Uh, and so that will follow, There's a they already announced the adventure path for earlier in 2021, uh, which is called Fists of the Ruby Phoenix, uh, which will run between April and June. So this will follow straight after that. So there you go. Uh, that is, you know, that's what it is. Oh, the adventure path is um, set in the Mogamwa um, Magic Academy in uh, the Mogagi Expanse. Uh, so you'll be students. Um, uh, they they mentioned some very light spoilers, which I won't go into here, uh, but basically, you, without spoiling anything, you start as students, and because of that, regardless of what class you are, you will have some extra spellcasting ability. Uh, yeah, it sounds really interesting. I've not played much of the Adventure Paths at all. I've played Pathfinder quite a bit, but more so the first edition, and I like it a lot. Um, but I haven't played as much second edition, but they seem to be doing some really good stuff of it. I hear pretty much nothing but good things about the second edition, so... And this sounds very promising. Uh, Wonderful. There we go. Uh, last story here is just another quick one from me. Uh, Civilization, A New Dawn, uh, which I think its full title is Sid Meier's Civilization, colon, A New Dawn. 
being the like the latest adaptation of the video game series based on the board game which was just called Civilization but then Sid Meier put his name on it so then it became Sid Meier's Civilization then it became a video game then it was a board game so it became Sid Meier's Civilization the board game now it's Sid Meier's Civilization A New Dawn but it's a board game based on the thing anyway <laughs> wow Civilization A New Dawn uh, it came out three years ago 2017 I think it is an adaptation very loosely of Civilization 6 the PC game uh, and video game now uh, it's it is a civilization game you start with your faction you are a leader um, of a particular civilization so Romans Celts whatever it may be uh, you grow out your city you kind of fight off barbarians you develop technology that kind of thing um, the big thing with a new dawn is that it's very streamlined so it's not hours long it plays in about an hour you use cards to do one action each turn uh, it's much more slick than a lot of the civilization games have been um but they have put out a new solo mode for it uh which introduces an automated player as they call it um so whereas in a new dawn you use kind of like a row of cards to perform your actions uh the automated player uses a dedicated set of cards and they just cycle through them so you can see exactly what's coming up so they say it turns it into more of kind of like a single player puzzle as you kind of see what's what they're about to do and try and counteract that. Um, mm. But what's cool is they put this out for free, uh, Fancy Flight, which is the oh, publisher cool. of A New Dawn, and also it can be used as an AI opponent in multiplayer games. So if you're looking to mm. fill a seat, you can do so with up to three human players and then this automated player, uh, which is very cool. Uh, so yeah, they put it out as a print, uh, free print and play, which you can grab off their site. Uh, I think it's it's the latest one of these they've done for a number of games they've put out quite a few solo modes um during obviously the current lockdown and pandemic um which is well, just kind of a, a neat thing you know it lets you play the games in a new way mm. um and this is designed by tony Fanchi, who also designed the upcoming terra incognita um expansion oh. so there we go that's kind of the the long and short of it but i really like a new dawn um, I really like Civilization in general, and I think A New Dawn is not quite Civ, but it is like a really good version of it that fits into a relatively short time span. Uh, so yeah, I dig it. That's the Excellent. that's the stamp yes, of approval. Yes. <laughs> All right, I think that's it for news. Uh, before we move on to emails, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Available for you to reserve a copy of now is My Journey to Catan, a new memoir by the Catan designer Klaus Teuber, where he shares his journey from dental technician to a world-famous game designer. Everybody knows Catan. It is probably one of the most popular games in the world, but do you know the story that brought it to life? That's the question. Well, you can find out with this book, which is being published for the first time in English as a very limited edition, and each hardback, leveret-bound book is individually numbered and hand-signed by Toiber himself, which is pretty cool. So if you have a games fan in your life or just someone who loves stories about people who strive to follow their dreams, then you could not find a better gift. You can pre-order your signed and numbered copy of My Journey to the Catan at catanshop.com forward slash book. There's only a thousand copies which will be printed of this special edition, so make sure to get your order in early. That is My Journey to Catan, a memoir from Catan designer Klaus Toiber, available now on katanshop.com forward slash book excellent stuff thank you sponsors for that quick word uh, 
<laughs> Let's move on to email, well, that, shall we? That word sure was quick. <laughs> <laughs> What's the word? Uh, the word is quick. Um, moving on to emails. Uh, if you've got an email for the podcast that you'd like us to chat about, you can get in touch uh, on Twitter at Join Dicebreaker. You can email us at podcast at dicebreaker.com or you can find us wherever you find us, whether it be dicebreaker.com, youtube.com slash dicebreaker, mm. down a Facebook, well. down a well, apparently. Just, just yell Send your question vision. down a well and we will receive yeah. it. If you see a houseboat with a thatch roof, chuck a note in there. <laughs> odds are it's me. <laughs> I think just emerge covered in paper it. cuts. <sighs> oh, goodness. Okay. Uh, I love that that's canon now. Lowly's. Would you like to read this one from Paul, please? Who, me? Sure. Paul Oyston says, Hi team, is there a game that any of you feel could be improved or saved from being a bit rubbish by changing just one mechanic? Maybe it's a game that is one dodgy dice roll away from getting that chef's kiss accolade, or even one you would fish out from the back of your cupboard if it was less like Arsenal Monopoly and more. Baby Yoda Monopoly? Cheers. (laughs) Paul Oyston. Thanks, Paul. Uh, Cheers, Paul. I'm going to jump straight in here, uh, if everyone else is thinking of them, because I actually have one in the barrel for this. Uh, Mansions of Madness, which is a game I like very, very much, uh, has, when you reach a certain level of, like, um, I guess they call it, like, mental damage or whatever it is, it's the brain tokens you get, uh, you can go, like, insane. Um, And though that often introduces extra objectives, and many of them turn you against the other players... Um, so you might suddenly be an arsonist and you're trying to spread fire to a lot of different squares or, or you might be trying to get in their way or it might be that for any reason you nothing happens but you have a secret card that you can't show to anyone so they suspect you anyway. Um, I will say that A, it's like insanity themes and mechanics generally a bit like eh, distasteful, not always handled particularly well particularly in that situation and mechanically... It's just a bit rubbish because that game is already quite hard and the fun of it is trying to survive together and then having someone turn against you. It's not very fun for them a lot of the time. It's not very fun for everyone else. So most of the time when we play, we ignore that stuff. Um, If you take enough kind of mental damage, you you still lose. But if like when you first take that insanity card, we normally just ignore it regardless. So, yeah, it's still it's still a good game, but I don't like that mechanic at all. I didn't have an idea for this until you spoke about that because one game that I do and I always house roll this because I think it's, it kind of ruins it for me a lot um, with Dead of Winter the official rules state that when you're making up the sort of like the cards that will eventually have a traitor card in them you're supposed to put enough in that you could theoretically have a whole game where there are no traitors and that really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like I've, when you act with like the idea that oh well you know maybe no one's the traitor that's a cool idea but when it actually comes to pass, like it's really bad because <laughs> you just like you just play like a a co-op game that is deliberately made to have someone messing around with it, and it's just not as strong on its own I think like because there is a dedicated co-op version of Dead of Winter and I don't think it's quite as good like it, it yeah. thrives on the fact that it's hit and roll, and and I always like. And I'll, I'll say it to the players as well. I was like, we're not going to do the thing where like there's no like traitor because it just makes the game worse. So there is a traitor. <laughs> it's a shock horror. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one that I, I I wish that wasn't. You know, I, I wish it was an optional rule rather than like the recommended because I do think it could potentially ruin people's games. Yeah, it's ruined mine before. 
There you go. I'm probably going to say... Because uh, I've been thinking about this one for a while. I'm really bad at answering these kind of questions because you have to go through your head and be like, okay, what every single board game I've ever played... <laughs> And, it's, and, yeah, to be fair. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like does this apply to that yes or not? Because ultimately the ratio of games that I played that I like opposed to the ones I don't like is very much in favour of the ones I do like because a lot of those are the ones I bought mm. and I don't tend to buy board games that I don't like. So <laughs> maybe as my career blossoms um <laughs> I will play more bad games or games that are almost good. Can't but, um, wait. <laughs> I know, right? I'm looking forward to it. Um, but I guess that let let me preface preface this by saying I everyone knows I love betrayal, um, and one of the reasons why I love it is because it is it is broken and it's a mess. Um, but I kind of like games like that as long as they entertain me. I don't really care if like it's not balanced properly or whatever. So in terms of the main criticism oh, that people hold on, have I've got onto the door. Sorry. Unlike the mechanic that most people don't like about it, which is a lot of the scenarios are not very well balanced, and they're not. But I don't really care about that much because <laughs> that's not really the point of the game. The point of the game is that you kind of have fun and it's a bit kooky. Not necessarily that you win or lose. Um, the thing I don't like about it is the fact that some of the scenarios are inherently better than the others simply because they're either more interesting horror scenarios or they're just like framed much better. So the one where someone comes back to life as Julius Caesar, no offence, is not very good. <laughs> I've never played that one. I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, because it's what not... Is- what does uh, Julius Caesar do? He, <laughs> Get murdered again, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, it's been a while, but it wasn't very horror-related. It was more just kind of like a like a Twilight Zone sort of thing, or it's just weird. Um, and I tend to prefer the ones that are more horror-related. Um, so I'd say the mechanic that I'd like to change is how the scenarios are chosen. So I'd rather... In fact, in the future, I might just do this. I would rather just ignore the whole, if this person is in this room, choose this scenario. I'm just going to go, no, uh, let's just do this one. Because just maybe base it off the name or something like that. Because otherwise, um, you know, we might end up playing a scenario that's that's kind of a bit naff. Not necessarily because it's not balanced well, because most of them aren't, but because it's, it's boring. There, there is, um, like, there's a scenario in the book which is, like, there's a bomb in the house you need to get out. Uh, and my friends used to play it a lot at uni. Um, but they, they went to a different uni to me, so I wasn't playing with them. So this is all secondhand. But, like, apparently they played about three games in a row where they got that exact same scenario. <laughs> yeah, and no. it was just like, I am going to throw this box out yeah. the window. <laughs> Been there. I, Especially mm. if you've played it before, I would just ignore that and just choose yeah. maybe the next one along or something like that. Because it really, some of them are designed to use certain items. If they are, I would just retcon it and just like make sure you have what you need, like, mm. it, and then just do that because it's a big old book and there's lots of scenarios in there. Um, or if you want like 
a more assurance of quality, just play the expansion. Widow's Walk. Play Betrayal Legacy, which I think is the best version of that game because it fixes some of the mechanical stuff as well. Which, mm. like like you, I love normal Betrayal, and I love it because it's so goofy and kind of broken yeah. in weird ways. Yeah. Um, but I think Betrayal Legacy just tightens up a few areas where it's like, oh, that rule never really made that much sense. Yeah. Um, I think the expansion changes the way the haunt rolls work, right? Is you you uh... roll either to beat a number or to go lower than a number or something like that. But it balances it out one way or the other. Maybe that's Betrayal Legacy. Um, but yeah, it's like a small bird. That, that doesn't sound change. familiar. So I think that's probably Betrayal Legacy. All Widow's Walk does is just adds uh, a new room, which is the roof... So a new level, sorry, and it and it has just much better written scenarios, mm. um, who which are really interesting and kind of going the more sort of less kooky style of horror, which I do like, uh, into sort of more interesting, uh, let's say modern approach. To, yeah, well, to we horror. we played on stream, didn't we? And we got the intern <laughs> scenario. Yes, yeah. we did. Um, <laughs> Which I thought was funny, but uh, definitely not one of the better ones I've played. Um, <laughs> Probably not, no. <laughs> uh, I do really want to play Betrayal Legacy. We have a copy in the office, mm. um, but there's just not enough people around to play it with at the moment. Uh, so put it on the list. On the list. Right, so. cool. <laughs> yeah. Lolies. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about this, um, and I was trying to think about a game that I've played that I haven't enjoyed because there was a mechanic. Obviously, I've, I've been trying to answer the question essentially. Um, I you still stalling, Lolly? <laughs> no, 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 I've got one. I've got one. Um, I kind of only got into um, like hidden role games, or like um, uh, oh my god, I've just forgotten what they're called social deduction so yeah social deduction games in, in recent years because the first few games like first few social deduction games were things like Avalon the resistance and like some other ones like along those lines along those lines um and i never really got into those and i never really understood why until about a year or two ago when i went to visit my friend uh so he lives in amsterdam i went to visit him and um we went out to his like board game group and we played some board games and one of the games that everyone was really keen to play was Avalon, because obviously Avalon is a pretty popular social mm. deduction game. And it was only when we played that where I was like, I think I know I don't like this. And I might be wrong because I don't know, like, I don't know the rules that well. I was just kind of following what people were telling me to do. But um, the game that we played, uh, I believe, like, there's like a leader on each team or something, and they have to choose someone to, yeah. like, go on a mission or something mm -hmm. like that, yeah. a quest. Yeah. Um, and what got really annoying was like after like two turns or something um as soon as there was like successful quests they kept just choosing the same people to do mm. go on the quest over and over and over again and i was like this is really boring because i'm not getting a turn i never got a turn they never got to find out if i'm like good or not um and i just made it like it just made it feel really unbalanced like so if you're evil like you have no chance if you're good and they're not even giving you a chance to like have a go it just wasn't very fun Whereas, like, I've played games like Secret Hitler, which is one of my favorite games. Um, and in that, there's, like, a mechanic where the, um, the president and the chancellor can't be in charge two times in a row. So, like, if, if I was the president and Mian was the, the chancellor, 
um, and it, the presidency moves along, they can't choose either of us to be on that team because we've just had a go. And it'll keep going like that until there's been another successful kind of presidency. Mm. I swear. Um, and that, that really frustrated me about Avalon. I was gonna, I was gonna say uh, it's been a while because I've not played Avalon. I've played the Resistance, which is basically a, like Avalon, but there's there's a slightly few less mechanics. complicated, basically. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Um, and I swear there's a mechanic in there that with the the later missions you need more people on there. So I swear that's mm. isn't isn't that, that might have I mean that might have been a thing, but even so, like it just meant that there was still loads of people excluded, and it just meant that the same few people were just playing the whole game mm. um, yeah i think i guess the problem with that kind of setup that that kind of and it's it's one that gets used in a lot of deduction games that sort of like pick a group thing where if if a if a group has been shown to be successful if you want to not pick that group that immediately casts suspicion on you mm. so you're kind of like you mm. don't have any onus to actually mix things up because otherwise you're just casting aspersions on yourself kind of thing. Yeah. That's I, my problem because that's a that's a mechanical issue that they yeah, didn't exactly. say yeah. you can't do that, mm. you know. Yeah. Mm. No, I think I think Secret Hitler does does a really good job of preventing something like that. Yeah. I find um, like Secret Hitler is one of my favorites because I find it really balanced. I find mm. that like you have just as much of a chance to win as the bad guys than you do as the good guys and that's what I really like about it. I I don't think I've ever played a social deduction game that's as balanced as it and i think that's why like theme aside that's 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 the main reason that i like secret hitler so much like it's not about the theme for me at all it's about the mechanics of it mm. and, and i think it's it, like i think you could literally slap any theme on it and i would like it because of the how mm. well it plays mm. and it's literally free yeah you can get a print and play yeah yeah, mm. yeah. i think um deception murder in hong kong also I think no, is quite balanced, right? Because it's it's the whole group kind of trying to weed yeah. out the one person among them. Mm. Um, but so it's not yeah, like well, that it mission just, structure, which I think yeah, yeah, it doesn't use right. that same structure, right? Where it's like, oh, you know, there are there are only a set number of people who can do anything on this turn. It's like because in in Hong Kong, you all have one guess mm. throughout the whole game, and it's just you choose when to spend it, and the rest of the game is just everyone debating basically. So it's like, I I, I really like how it kind of like. Um, blends down all of the good bits into and just be like, well, why don't we just focus on the good bits and just focus on that and just, just do that for the most of the game sort of thing. Hmm. I think Blood on the Clock Tower does something similar as well, because like, you can still vote if you're dead, which I think is mm. great, um, because like for a lot of those kind of games, you know, if you're out, you're out, and that's kind of yeah. like, you just sit there, like Werewolf, for example. But Blood on the Clock Tower then brings it back and says, like, if you're dead, you can still vote, but you only get one vote for the rest of the game, so you want to use it when you're like pretty sure on something or yeah wanna, wanna you get um because with, with with hong kong like you can when you when you vote you put your badge on it like you literally risk your badge on like mm. saying no this person's <laughs> not real so like if you've lost your badge you can still win as long as you're one of the good guys and or or like rather you know your if your team wins you still win mm. but you're just sort of sat there with no power just being like no you have to you have to pay attention <laughs> to the hose pipe uh. i'm telling you just sort of shouting through the precinct window like come on people <laughs> yeah i would say like off your point lolis i i think g games that let you that solve the problem of player elimination are like always mm. a good thing because like there are plenty of games where you're only set out for a few minutes but i much prefer both the idea and the kind of being able to be involved as a ghost, like yeah. particularly where it flips you onto the other team, I think is always like a fun thing where it's mm. like now the ghosts are trying to win. 
So as more people kind of get eliminated, you form like a third faction that's trying to win on their own, which I think is like a fun way of just like making it a bit more dynamic than just one team versus one team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely. Uh, Lolies. Uh, you read that last one, so I'll just excitedly <laughs> declare your name. I'm sorry. Uh, Lolies! Congratulations I'm just glad you're on a here. successful question read. <laughs> uh, Wills, would you like to read this one from Anonymous, please? I sure can, Matt. Um, from Anonymous, uh, says, uh, Hi, Dicebreaker. Thank you for all your fantastic content. You really brightened my week. Thank you, Anonymous person. Thank you. Thank you, random citizen. Um, Our gaming group is very close, and we usually have a lovely time together. However, one member of our group is a very bad loser, and arguments inevitably occur whether they've lost a board game, one of their RPG characters has died, or they are just generally unhappy with an outcome. We've tried reasoning with them, but it doesn't really get us anywhere, and we often end up giving in to them just to keep the peace. They are a good friend, and I don't want to lose them, but I can't put up with this behavior any longer. Any advice... Thanks very much for your time, Anonymous. That is that is a really tricky situation. I can see um, why they're anonymous. <laughs> yeah, I can see why you didn't put your name on. Um, yeah, God, it's well, it's it's difficult because it's not really board game advice, right? It's more sort of like social skills kind of thing, mm. isn't it? Yeah. It's, I, yeah, I think you. The problem is like all people like their their brains are built differently, right? So it's like the the way that they react to certain things, the way they perceive certain things is always going to be different from how you see them and, and all that stuff. So you I, I guess like empathy is your biggest biggest tool here. Like finding out why they feel so wronged when they lose. Like is it the kind of game that you're playing maybe or do they just need to have like just a talking with? Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes I've been in situations with friends where it's just like Maybe they're not quite as aware of the mm. like the perception mm. that other people have of their actions. So if you just sort of highlight it to them, they have a chance to, you know, kind of grow from that. But it is a difficult one, absolutely. Yeah, I, mm. I think the fact they say they're a good friend, uh, mm. if they if they are a good friend, then just be honest with them. At the end of the mm. day, you don't you know you don't need to raise it in a way that is like comes across as look you need to cut it out or anything like that. You just need yeah. to say hey, like like Will said, maybe maybe you're not aware of how it, this is making everyone else feel. But there's just a sense of you know, like I, yeah, just just try and bring it up, you know, gently. Just explain to them, and they might go, oh, "I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I didn't realize that that was making like everyone else feel this way." And you know, if they're a good friend, then they'll, they should want to care about your feelings and comfortability too. Yeah. Um. You know, that's the main thing is just making everyone comfortable around the table. And if kind of their reaction to certain things is making people feel a bit awkward or uneasy then that's obviously something that should just be brought up. Hmm. Yeah, because I think this is the kind of thing that if you don't, you know, um, address it, it can just maybe fizzle and and build to a point where someone else is going to try and address it. Mm. Maybe in a way that's going to cause, you know, uh, a big you know, uh, confrontation and then uh, it might, you know, uh, cause your group to kind of uh, uh, fall apart. Um, But like, playing board games is something you do together as a group, as friends. So they have to be a good friend in that context as well. Mm. So if they are losing badly and causing arguments and, you know, potentially upsetting people with that, you know, they need to be made aware of the fact that that is making them not a good friend if they're doing that. 
Uh, and, you know, we can all get carried away. I know certain people who don't take losing very well. And it can be down to a variety of factors. But if, like Matt said, if they are a good friend, then if you take them aside or talk to them, you know, preferably not with your other members of the group there, and explain, you know, this isn't great for everyone or for me or, you know, um, however you want to deal with it. Uh, I think ultimately you're going to benefit from it because you can't let it just simmer forever. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I think that, yeah, it's all good advice, right? Yeah. Be so, good yeah, friends. I think, so. I th- yeah. I think yeah. it is a very difficult situation at the end of the day, yeah. so... Yeah, like what it says, it's, it comes down more to like general kind of like social empathy stuff, mm. like and that yeah. and that could depend on your friendship, the and I don't like have situation. Any of that, so <laughs> <laughs> I have no advice for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are cursed to your fate forever, friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shall we take this one last one, Mian? Would you like to read this one from Olivier, please? I would love that. Um... Uh, Olivier says... Of course, monster. (laughs) Uh, Hi, Dicebreaker. I developed very small video games on the side and decided to try and make a small prototype of a dice-based turn-based RPG to fill my hunger for these types of tabletop games. Good video game design tends to restrict too much randomness, though, and it got me thinking about how we implement randomness in games. I think good randomness can add extra drama, but bad randomness can add a lot of frustration. I feel a good way to go about it is to make failures as interesting as successes, giving them more personality than you don't achieve what you're trying to do. What would you define as a good use of randomness? Does any particular game come to your mind uh, as being simple or simply interesting in its use of randomness? There you go. I have quite a lot of quite a lot of opinions on this one actually. Um, I think randomness is a really like it's a double edged sword, but if if you treat it with respect and you know what you're doing with it, you can it can be way more interesting than perfect information games for me. Um, and I think a good way of looking at it, not only just um, so I think the uh, the the question asker was talking about like how you interpret the failure. Um, but even just in board game design, if we're not talking about just sort of like, you know, like RPGs, like what happens based on what you roll, I think randomness can be um, like oftentimes not communicated to the player very well. So like a lot of the time, like you know, for example, you're playing a video game like XCOM or something, you have an exact percentage chance of of how likely you are to shoot something, right? And then like having that information, and then also being able to affect that number based on your actions, being like, okay, right, well. Sure, if I use this gun on on the, at that range, I'm never going to hit him. But I can I can use a slightly worse gun, but it's more likely to hit. And that's like a, a calculated risk that I can make. Um, if you if you know how much risk something is, and you can calculate that risk, and you can weigh up your options based on that, then randomness feels like you're making an active choice over which sort of bet you want to take, rather than you being like, okay, I want to do this thing. So like a bad case of that, for example, might be we're playing um, like a D and D style board game. And you roll your movement at the start of the turn. And it's like, oh, I rolled a one, so I can move one space. And that's it. If it's, yeah, you can move a guaranteed four spaces, but you might roll and get eight, 
then that's different because then you can be like no i i need to at least move this many spaces i'm not going to take the risk or you can be like oh i could get a charge in i'm going to do it and i think that that case of like knowing what the odds are and also being able to choose between them makes randomness a lot more approachable and a lot more like a lot less frustrating mm. i think my favorite example of that is um alex lodi's one of alex lodi's favorite games uh quacks of quedlinburg because you build your own dice roll essentially right because you're you're building a bag of stuff um and you've always got that chance to back out that sort of push your own luck thing of like okay like i know the odds and i i know this is probably a dumb move but i'm gonna draw another thing and then when you get it right it's amazing and it's yeah it's that it's that like knowledge of what's coming up i think that makes randomness a lot more um agreeable mm. with players like just being able to actually determine what, what your odds are what what's likely to happen sort of thing yeah i think like bag building games which is like quite what quacks falls into as like a general mm -hmm. category like i think they are really interesting because they seem to have become a lot more kind of prevalent the last few years there's so the quacks obviously there's um oh gosh what's the one about llamas or alpacas uh <laughs> there is one that is a I think it's by oh Altiplano. That's it, Altiplano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could yeah. see it in, in front of my face. Yeah, I could see the box <laughs> up, but not the name. Yeah. Um, and I like... thought it was going to be uh, My Llama Adventure <laughs> by Matt Jarvis. <laughs> not yet. Obama Llama. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, and like Arkham Horror, the card game uses like a bag of tokens that you pull out for mm. certain chaos effects, which I think is really well used because you customize yeah. it for difficulty and scenario. I think, when I played that, we didn't have a bag, so we had to use the chaos boot. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we used to, like a mug. They like should the provide a bag. <laughs> they should provide a bag in that game. It's yeah, definitely. That's the um, game. The ones that I really like. So it's funny, Will, you said about movement. Like Zia mm. Legends of a Drift system it does exactly that. So you can move yeah. a set amount of spaces, but you can roll to see if you basically get like an, a little extra boost, um, which makes it really good fun because you might get somewhere. Or you might not. There's a lot of randomness mm. in Zia, but I think they handle it well because even when you like mess up, uh, it's normally quite entertaining at least. Like I flew into a sun by mistake, um, and things like that. Where it's like, oh okay, like some something happens that's like a fun story at the very least. Um I think the other like randomness that I enjoy is when like you were kind of saying, is basically just where there's it's not a straight failure so monster of the week does a really nice mm. thing with its partial successes mm. and i think generally there's a lot of good rpgs that do okay here to here is like straight up that goes very poorly um but then there's like it's a partial success or it's a like success or it's an extreme success or something like that um and monster of the week if you roll a partial success i think this is most powered by the apocalypse games yeah um you can choose from a list of things that happen so it's like, you know, like okay, yeah, complications. So it's like there's an unexpected complication or it's slower than expected or it's more powerful than expected or whatever it may be. And I think that in some ways is more fun than rolling a success because yeah. it still happens, but then you have something exciting that happens out the back of it. Because sometimes when it's you just succeed or something, you're like, oh, right, I guess that, <laughs> that does that then. Um, mm. Whereas if there's then like a, a throwing back and forth between the GM and the player... Of like, okay, I want to do this. Okay, you do it, but something happens. What is it? And then you throw it back at them and so on. Like, I really, yes. really love games like that that just encourage more kind of storytelling or improv or creativity out of the back of your own failures. 
Mm. There's a there's a bit in the original Apocalypse World, or I think it's second edition actually, when they added in like vehicle combat stuff. And I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Apocalypse World, but this is like one of my favorite little bits of writing in an RPG. One of the moves is like in vehicle combat, you can jump off your car onto somebody else's car, and it's like on a ten plus, like you land it perfectly, you're fine. On a seven to nine, you make it. But Jesus, <laughs> that's literally all it says. It's like you make it, but oh my god, <laughs> it's really good. Going back on what Wheels was saying about like knowing, kind of having an idea of what the probability of a roll is or whatever, or like even just uh, a card draw. Um, I was thinking like you know some of one of my favorite um, mechanics in board games is push your luck games, and that's they push your luck games do that stuff really well. So like. Um, can't stop which i think we've played before mm. at mm. least matt and i have played it before um is like a game where you literally are rolling dice um based on probability trying to get to the top of a track and it's like it's like you take it as far as you want to take mm. it at the end of the day like it's up to you whether you want to keep going on this roll or whether you're like i've had enough and i think that's like going back to kind of what wheels was saying earlier it was like that's it's kind of a nice randomness because it's like it's up to you whether you're not you want to you want to push mm. this further or like ink and ink and gold uh which is a, a a card version of that essentially where you're um drawing from a deck of cards and you're trying to earn like uh treasure but there's like a certain amount of traps in the deck and you know that if one set of spiders has come out if another set comes out you go bust so you're kind of like do i want to keep pushing it because the spiders might come out but i'll only leave with like two mm. diamonds or whatever so mm. it's I think it's a calculated risk that makes randomness a little bit better and less frustrating because mm. it's mm. up to you at the end of the day. You don't you don't want those spiders to get out because then <laughs> you're in a world of trouble because there's yeah. spiders everywhere. Um, I would say pre- so. Uh, uh, preface this: uh, I'm not a very good person to put this question to because I love randomness. Uh, random elements in games YOLO because uh, uh, one of my favourite games is Shadowhunters and that's all about randomness and it's the worst and best game ever made uh, but I understand that randomness can be really frustrating when it feels like you have absolutely no control over it and it can really mess you over but I think it can really work in games that it helps to build a sense of tension as long as you have some amount of control over it. So, like the game I mentioned earlier, Clank is a really good example of randomness because you are adding to the possibility of you getting uh, attacked by the dragon if you buy cards that have Clanks on them or, mm. or knowingly knowing that they can come up on your deck and cause you to add a Clank to the bag but they'll give you rewards for doing that. So again, it's that risk-reward element. Uh, And the experience of pulling those tokens, you know, those cubes from the bag, uh, I think it's wonderful that it's random because it's, one, hilarious, uh, and two, it really adds that sense of what's going to happen. And you could have, like, 30 cubes in there and then someone else can have 10. And you could bring out like one of the players who just have ten in there. I think that's great because um, you d- you don't expect it. And also, what Matt was saying, and we're also saying about you know games like systems like Powered by the Apocalypse, 
and Monster of the Week. Well, Monster of the Week is on Powered by the Apocalypse. Um, mm. The games where when you fail, you advance, you get an advancement, or you get something for that. Um, I don't know if Powered by the Apocalypse does that. There is a system that does that, and I'm trying to remember what it is. The one where you I think where you pa- fail. Yeah, Powered by the Apocalypse, you get experience if you fail a roll. Yeah, mm. it is that one. Um, I think that's awesome because it's like you learning from you're learning from your mistakes mm. and you're growing as a person because even when you don't succeed at something you learn from failure uh, and also it means that it kind of tempers that sense of failure with oh you get something so maybe next time you won't fail there you go hot takes <laughs> oh yeah I think ba- basically like randomness is, a, is like a spectrum right it's Often people say like, "Oh, it's either chess or it's uh, Monopoly," but it's like there's there's a there's a whole range in between mm. those two things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. It's the spice of life. It is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of the spice of life, there's not a tangent here. I can't tangent out of that. Uh, but that That's is right. It's the Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they're coming here! I wish I could do a Jules Holland impression, but I really can't. Um, that is all we have time for in terms of questions and it's almost all we have time for in terms of time for this week's Dicebreaker podcast Uh, as I mentioned if you'd like to email us a question you can do so at podcast at dicebreaker.com you can find us on Twitter at join Dicebreaker you can find us on the website dicebreaker.com or you can find us on YouTube uh, which is youtube.com slash dicebreaker speaking of YouTube there's a segue for you um, wheels and lowlies, what have we got coming up on the video side this week? Well, oh today goodness. you'll see, you may have already seen or you may see that there was some videos at, <laughs> <laughs> on PGX. So we did a, today we would have done, um, or we will be doing a how to run a great RPG session featuring some special guests, <gasps> which will be coming out at quarter past seven BST. Um, also, EGX board game panel where Matt and I were joined by even more special guests, uh, which will ha- will do or has done come out <laughs> at four pm, depending on when this podcast goes out. I think when this lands, they'll be in the future because um, okay. this normally lands about <laughs> mid afternoon on a Friday. So yeah, they're both in the evening because of American time. But that panel was that panel was really really good. I had a really great time. Yeah, I could have just kept going as mm. well. I think. Oh, that panels at, panels at four p.m. So yes, that's what I'm saying. That's the one. Will have yeah. or it's will tight. be. <laughs> Goodness me. Um, and then tell us what's happening on the weekend, Wheels. Well, we've got part two of our Cyberpunk Red Let's Play, in which I do unspeakable things. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Um, and then also, Lolis has been putting together a how to play video <gasps> on. Everyone's most loved game in the world, <laughs> Settlers of Catan. What? Uh, Nobody's got any opinions on that. Please stick that. to the brand guidelines. It's just Catan now. Uh, it just Catan? Yeah, they dropped Settlers of a few years back now. It's Come just on, Catan. Yeah, I mentioned no. that in my video. Reject modernity, embrace <laughs> tradition. Um, <laughs> uh, and we've got other stuff coming next week, but it's it's still in, it's still in the ether. Who knows? Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just <laughs> our playthrough play of Hughes and Cues, yeah, as we mentioned earlier, will be up, and you would have done a lovely painting stream. 
Yeah. And well, that's old news, I mean. They've already seen that, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, they could point. go back and watch it they if they wish. They it's the, the magic of YouTube. Permitted. Set, set your DVRs. Um, and what, what are we doing tomorrow? Technically not on the podcast tomorrow today. What? Oh, yeah, I think Lolis was just mentioning it, yeah. Oh, we've, sorry! We've got a playthrough of... This is very confusing time-wise. The people listening to this, it will have been in the past. So it will now be oh, up on YouTube. Uh, yes, Lolis, as you were trying to explain it through that cacophony. <laughs> we will have played Romeo <laughs> and or Juliet. Choose your own bleep. <laughs> choose your own path destiny yeah. uh, which would have happened on Wednesday so if you didn't catch that go back and watch it right now turn mm. off this podcast leg it to the nearest TV if you're not watching this on a TV <laughs> and go watch that because it will have been brilliant even mm. though it hasn't happened and yet. we're playing live with the audience which if you're listening to this you can't do but what you can do is shout your choices at the screen and see if we take them and then get very sad when <laughs> we don't because odds are there's only going to be like two or three, so they yeah. might take them. <laughs> uh, but if if the previous choose your own not adventures uh, we've done or anything to go by, it's probably going to be quite chaotic and silly. Uh, yeah. I'm, I love the I'm idea of somebody bringing it. out a book that's branded "Do Not Choose Your Own Adventure." <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots of uh, lots of funny voices, I'm sure as well. Oh yeah, mm. absolutely. Oh yeah, I'm predicting that. Uh, speaking of Pax Online Cross EGX Digital, uh, which if I thought you were going to say, speaking of funny voices. <laughs> wow, well, speaking We always have the longest outros in the world. Um, <laughs> Pax Online EGX Digital is happening right now, this second, on the interwebs. If you're not there already, um, like I said, it, it's run by Dicebreaker's parent company, Richard Speedpop. Uh, which is why we are all over it. Um, we've got our playthrough of Cyberpunk Red with Cody Pondsmith. Uh, Johnny appeared on a panel about mental health and tabletop, which you can find on our website. Uh, there's Lolis and I board game panel. There's the RPG session. There's the Choose Your Own Advent- Not Adventure Not Adventure panel. <laughs> um, there's there's lots and lots and lots uh, going on, and that's just us. There's plenty more from our wonderful sibling sites such as Eurogamer and Rob. But wait, Shotgun. there's more. <laughs> <laughs> and and of course a virtual show floor, which you can go and take a tour around, which leads us nicely onto what's happening on the website this week as we try and finish out this podcast. Um, because Alex, me, and you will have browsed around that virtual show floor. Uh, and brought us the treasures within. Yeah, yeah. I was transported into my MacBook. Into the cyberverse. Yeah, into the cyberverse. And I walked the halls of uh, the show floor to find the the best board games that are being covered therein. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a tabletop section of the virtual show floor and uh, which a number of uh, upcoming and currently out board games are nestling and I have released a list of uh, some of the best board games you can find there um, it's a wide variety of, uh, of tabletop pleasures which I will present to you Wonderful. And speaking of tabletop pleasures, uh, you will have also, by the time this goes live, Whoa. there will be a new review on the website. Uh, I use it ironically because, from what I've heard chatting with me, and you did not have a great time with Telstone's King's Gambit. 
No, I did not miss the Jarvis. That review will be out now, so I can finally talk about it. Uh, At the end of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you already pretty much spoiled it. Like, I didn't like it. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Go and read the um, review is what I'm going to go and do about it. Sue me, yeah. Uh, if you want to find out why I didn't like it, um, you can read the review now on dicebreaker.com. Uh, yep, Loli's showing you how. Um, and... Yeah. Uh, now you... on typewriter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can go away with your own opinions, I guess. But um, there will also be an interview with the designer for Tellstone. <gasps> mm-hmm. Do you Chris... ask him why he made a game you don't like? Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. Um, it was why a very... is this game so bad? <laughs> <laughs> I, unlike you lot, I try to be polite and and represent the brand. So uh, I, it was a very cordial conversation that we had uh, about it. And uh, he was a co-designer on Mechs versus Minions, the previous League mm. of Lego Legends game. Which is actually Lego Legends. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I've heard it's pretty yeah. good. Um, so yeah, that's out. Oh my goodness, a cosplay feature went out this week. It did. By yours truly. Uh, months of work put into that. So if you want to learn about the D&D cosplay community, you can read that now. Matt Jarvis, there's so much going on. I know. Uh, and coming up next week, uh, we also have an interview with the folks behind Lancer, the mech RPG, which I think we've mentioned Ooh. a few times on this here yeah, podcast. I like Lancer. Uh, which is a really good interview. Um really really fascinating kind of their approach to sci-fi and role-playing as well um so i would advise checking that out it's a very good interview uh by luke shaw so mm, but uh, that uh, really uh, is all we've talked uh, quick what am i wearing oh, oh yes oh, let's packs merch packs merch it's, and dicebreaker merch it's an egx packs online shirt you can find uh egx merch including uh a dicebreaker exclusive tim the goblin t-shirt uh, over on the EGX store, only during EGX Digital and PAX Online. Uh, and it's very limited edition, so go and grab it if you would like to rock Tim the Goblin. Um, yeah, saying, he would oh love my goodness. you to rock him. <laughs> Let's move away from if that. If you want Tim the Goblin <laughs> rock down to body. Tim the Goblin uh, Avenue. <laughs> gosh, this podcast never ends, does it? It really goes on. <laughs> anyway, you can find the rest of our Dicebreaker merchandise, as usual, on dicebreaker.myshopify.com. Um, but until then, we will be wearing this lovely merch. We'll be on the website. We'll be on the YouTube channel. We'll be all over PAX Online and EGX Digital. We hope to see you around soon. But until we see you again, thank you, Alex Lowlies. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Alex Meehan. Wanna rock down to Electric Avenue. Thank you, Michael Wills Whelan. And then we'll take it higher. <laughs> uh, I've been Matt Jarvis. Thank you all for listening. Until we meet again, have a lovely day. Bye. Bye.